Okay, welcome to uh, NHL Fans from Afar. Uh, my name's Matt, and uh, I'm currently covering for Jolon and Claire, who have gone into hiding after uh, what can only be described as a horrific Game 7 from the Toronto Maple Leafs. Um, yeah, I have no idea whether they're actually going to turn up to re- record or say anything. And if they do, whether we're going to get to talk about anything else other than the Toronto Maple Leafs and how bad they are. So, uh, yeah, let's play some music and talk hockey. Knock, knock. Come in. Okay. I turned up. I think that that deserves a point. Whether Jolon will turn up because he's always late. He's always late. Hey, it makes a difference, doesn't it? It's nice when people turn up for things. When people turn up for events that they're supposed to turn up for, you know, like people turning up to record podcasts or people turning up for work or hockey players turning up to a hockey game. It's nice when that happens, isn't it? It doesn't always happen. This could be the hardest podcast that we have ever had to record as Toronto Maple Leafs fans. And considering that the name of this podcast is NHL Fans From Afar, we have to actually pretend that we're interested in A, the sport in general and other teams. Um, So thanks for like bailing us out, Matt, and like bringing the wider perspective um, of this game. Um, I'm really struggling for words. I haven't written any kind of intro. I haven't written a title. I haven't written a description. I just couldn't find the right words to say. The only thing that I did in preparation for this podcast recording was I found a 60-second timer um, to play uh, with some music so that we could just basically listen to Jolon (laughs) <laughs> go off on one for 60 seconds he gets free reign to get on a soapbox and just scream about everything to do with the Toronto are we, are we actually going to have an alarm so we stop him at 60 seconds because I, I worry he'll go for 60 minutes that well remember I'm the host of this meeting so I can mute him <laughs> at any time I mean the good thing is what you can essentially do is let me go for 60 seconds and then you guys just carry on mute me and I'll just carry on for the other 59 minutes but just to myself <laughs> which is essentially what's been happening for the last you know however long I've been awake it also I feel like I need to give a disclaimer I've not slept <laughs> for yeah. like so many hours and and that is not helping but that is not the worst bit of this. <laughs> so it's a very raw podcast that you're about to witness. We once did a podcast that was very similar to this a couple of seasons ago where, well, was it game <laughs> seven? That was game seven against oh, Boston, Boston and Claire. Really. Honestly, I did not think that could be beaten. In terms of crap feelings, I did not think that could be beaten. And well, yet this somehow has yeah. just blown it out of the water. For context, what we did is uh, back when we were allowed to like be in each other's houses and stuff, and me and Jolon live round the corner from each other, we actually watched the game together live, like yeah. midnight to 3am, and watched Toronto fall apart. We recorded our reaction for the last five minutes of the, the game. And then we live called 
a Boston Bruins <laughs> fan who was from the UK to congratulate him. Um, so, yeah, I did not think it could get worse, um, but it has. But, of course, there are other teams that are, you know, turning things upside down. I mean, one of the best things that came out of last night, if there was one, was that the Boston Bruins lost. New York Islanders won in overtime. Thank you very much. There is still right in the world. And like Matt, some amazing games that have been happening in other series. I mean, I'm, granted, I've not watched a lot of round two, but for the ends of round one. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Sorry, what was that? There's there's a round two <laughs> to the to Stanley Cup playoffs. You mean you don't just win by winning round one? Or the regular season. Apparently it's over after uh, the regular season. This is this is going to be a long podcast if this is what's going to happen. I know, I know. Please help us, Matt. I, I actually think, uh, obviously... My team's not in the Stanley Cup playoffs at all. Uh, so, from a neutral point of view, I think it's from what I from the games I've been able to watch and the highlights I've watched, it's been an incredible first round. I've really enjoyed it. I think because I've I felt certainly in the three divisions that aren't the North, the extra intensity because the fans started to come back, and as it got to game sixes and game sevens, we had full full arenas that intensity was just ramping up as the, the i mean that that final islanders game for them to beat washington the the noise was just incredible but the the play was just as intense um there's been some some fantastic um matchups tampa getting past florida and now i think the the, the matchup i'm most excited about is, is tampa versus carolina um obviously Tampa taking the first the first game, but I think if we can get seven games of that series, I'll be I'll be very happy. Yeah, I mean, like just some of the games I picked up over the weekend, I had a little bit more time to just go back and sit there and watch the game recaps when I have my tea. As I said like last week, like Islanders and Penguins. I mean, my goodness, they were like a powerhouse. There was one game I watched where it was like four goals in the first period. And then Vegas and Minnesota, that game that was kind of I watched like next to each other was actually quite quiet um, compared um, with New York and Florida, like just the the polar opposites. And when you kind of flip from one game to the next, um, I just, you know, like Cam Talbot was absolutely fantastic for Minnesota Wild. I think that is one thing that, you know, Minnesota Wild fans can walk away thinking, wow, we didn't expect to go on that run, but my God, did we give it our all? And isn't Cam Talbot bloody brilliant? Like they could walk away with their heads held high because that was an enjoyable like series to watch, you know, disallow goal, like for goalie interference with Vegas, like we're on a rampage, you know. Like- and, and now look at Vegas against Colorado. It's the matchup we all wanted to see as well. Mm. You know, we all speaking about it months ago going, oh, playoff series between those two teams would be fantastic. And the first game was what, 7-1? To Colorado. Colorado just blew them away. But, you know, I looked, when I I went and looked at some of the stats around Minnesota Wild and Vegas, you know, Vegas were like winning face off 60%. They were out shooting the Wild by like 34 to 21. You know, it's only because Cam Talbot was there that he was keeping the goals out, really. I mean, I think that there was so much going well for Vegas. So, I mean, that could be a long series, you would hope. Well, I don't know where the game was. 
um, last night. Oh, it was in Colorado. Okay. You know, so now it's going to be in Vegas. Um, you know, it's interesting what you were saying about when your team isn't in the playoffs. And I hope that we feel this moving forwards after a period of mourning. But Abby, um, who's a Chicago Blackhawks fan, uh, was saying like she started watching the Colorado Vegas series and it's just great. Like Carolina Tampa is really shaping up. And she said that she really enjoys watching the playoffs um, this year, even without the team present. Just maybe avoid the Boston series. Um I think that makes a difference, you know, when you can just relax it, watch it, no pressure. I think it's different when your team wasn't in it from the beginning. So that's what I'm feeling this year. I think other years when, when say Dallas have gone out in the first or second round, you, I, I find you can't enjoy it as much because you, you are thinking about what ifs. There's so many what ifs in hockey, you know, um, bounces, plays, penalties, um, that you are watching the other games going, oh, we, we should be in this series. We should we should be playing this team. And so you don't enjoy it as much. Whereas this year, because we we haven't been in it, I've found I have actually been able to sit back and um, and watch the games and just enjoy the hockey. Um, and certainly Colorado just looked superb. I mean, every bit the favourite for the Stanley Cup, I think, at the moment. Mm, yeah. See, the Tampa-Carolina game... I mean, Andre um, Vasilevsky, it was just amazing. He was an absolute brick in round one. And, you know, was it today or yesterday we heard about the Vesna Trophy finalists are Andre Vasilevsky, Philip Grober and Marc-Andre Fleury. You know, no great surprises there. I, actually, that photo really made me see how great is Marc-Andre Fleury's teeth. These are the small details I'm holding on to today to feel better. Only enough, I didn't notice that. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I mean, there's two great goalies, three great goalies who could really, really be the difference makers in all of their teams um, in this series. Oh, and just to note as well, last week we were working from like a little bracket that I had printed off on my makeshift wall charts. And after we recorded it, we realised that it was wrong. So um, a disclaimer alert on there. I now have an accurate... Um, all charts that I have written. Well, the printed. thing we the thing we didn't factor in was it, it was it was going to be redone by seeding, so there wasn't ah. kind of a fixed bracket beyond a certain point. So they were going to re uh, reassign them down to to the seeds. So that was the thing that. So your bracket was technically correct. Mm. A bit like a what they did point. in the bubble. Yeah. 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 So what about like suspensions as well? So Kadri's got this eight game suspension upheld by Gary Bettman, the NHL commissioner. You know, he appealed it. Didn't go down too well. Uh, Ryan Reeves suspended two games. He's out um, for the Golden Knights. Um, he was disciplined for roughing and sportsmanlike conduct. Um, I haven't actually had a chance to, to watch the, the coverage of the Ryan Reeves of any of you guys. Yeah, so I, I, mean, I saw the incident. Uh, it's difficult to see exactly what was going on in the scrum. There were so many players and, and legs and referees in there as well. It's kind of difficult to see exactly what he did. There was talk on the commentary of putting a knee to the guy's face, which, you know, given all that's gone on in the last 12 months, that's not the best thing to do. Um, I think, I think he's admitted that he did wrong I think Vegas have admitted that it's it's kind of misconduct and stuff so 
yeah, a lesser band than than Kadri, which, to be honest, repeat offender with a, a blatant hit to the head, I, I can't really see the need to appeal any any more against that that eight eight games. To be honest, um, but then but then you start to question, well, where was the repeat offender um, kind of? punishment for Tom Wilson and I think this is something we've we've spoken about before on here consistency with player safety in the NHL is a real problem and I think that's why maybe you know you might have Colorado fans going oh eight games it's it's too much you know um, because it's it's your player because you're looking at other players from other teams not getting the same treatment but kind of looking at that cadre hit Objective, uh, subjectively, objectively. Um, I, I think it's fair. I don't know what what you think, Jolin. Having bit him being an ex Leaf. I, I think probably when it goes to an independent adjudicator, he'll probably get a game or two knocked off. Probably because it tends to be the way that these things go. Um, but I mean, the hit, yeah, the hit wasn't great, and. I mean, I don't think anyone's saying that that wasn't a suspendable hit, I think. And again, I, I don't even think there's this much outrage if they hadn't um, messed up so badly the Tom Wilson one a few weeks back. I mean, the whole... I mean, again, Kadri's got no leg to stand on when it comes to repeat offender in the playoffs. As Leafs fans, we all know too well. The reason he is not a Leaf right now is because of his boneheaded decisions he's made in the playoffs as a Leaf. And he then goes and does that with the Avs. So, I mean, like, I, I, I don't actually have a problem particularly with the length of suspension. If he'd have done it with a Leafs uniform on, I'd have been so annoyed, but not annoyed. at. I'd have been annoyed at the situation as opposed to, it, you know, the NHL for doing it. Because what, what, what does he need to do? Like, he needs to stop making stupid hits in the playoffs. And you can argue about whether the suspensions are too high or, or whatever. But at the end of the day, he knows. And he knows he's a marked man now because of his previous um, suspension. So he'll probably get, yeah, it might get knocked down to six in the, in the arbitration. But he really needs to just not do those things. And, and you know, it, it does make me laugh, Colorado fans kind of, you know, complaining about it because it's like, what, you know, what, what do you think you were getting? <laughs> and they were they were the ones who were, you know, quite happily enjoying Kadri getting these suspensions with the Leafs and all this kind of stuff. And it's like, it, it's like that question about Tom Wilson. If any, you know, that, that people always say, oh, you know, any franchise would be happy to have Tom Wilson. Okay, well, if you're going by that, then that same franchise can't be annoyed when he gets suspended because that's what he that's what he is. And Kadri's he's not the same as Tom Wilson, but he is he is a player who plays on the edge. And in the playoffs, he plays right on the edge. And that's been his downfall. And I don't think you can. It's one of those things where the abs are good enough that this isn't going to affect them. Like that's the difference between the Leafs and the yeah, Avs. Look at like, like the Avs are going to brush past this, no problem. Like I heard some crazy thing in the first round where they were like, like uh, do you think the Avs try and throw a game or two against like St. Louis to try and like burn off a couple of games of Kadri suspension? <laughs> that was like, no, you don't, A, because look what can happen. But also B, you're the Colorado Avalanche. Like Nazim Kadri is not the difference between you progressing through different rounds. So, I mean, Avs fans can kind of get all up in arms about it. But at the end of the day, 
they knew what they were getting with him and they knew if he did anything stupid, then the league was going to come down on him like a ton of bricks. And without the Tom Wilson debacle a couple of weeks back, we wouldn't even be really talking about it, I don't think. It's all no. come down to the repeat offender. That's been the issue because they didn't. They seem to forget that with Tom Wilson in the last time. Like that seemed to not even matter. And then Nazim Kadri gets the kind of what we all believe is how the repeat offender thing works. So, but you know, this, this league is full of that. I mean, you, all you have to do is watch you know any playoff game, and you see like calls being made for things that you go, yeah, fair enough. But where was the call for the last seven of them? Like it's all the way through inconsistency with this league is one of the most frustrating things. And that uh, I think fans across the board will, will argue about, but that's probably the same in any sport. Yeah. Inconsistency within games as well. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's probably more frustrating. Well, we could talk about that from uh, last night's game, but we'll try and talk about other things first, because that was lots of inconsistencies of things not being called. Um, Hey, you know about the fans? I mean, what what just really makes me think about that, you know, with the North Division, just that, you know, they made a big song and dance about there being fans in... Montreal for game six of Montreal Toronto and then um the key workers were in Toronto for the game last night poor them they thought it was a treat bless them um but just the energy difference right now between the American teams and the Canadian teams is just in in a way I'm kind of quite glad to to be watching American teams you know in the next couple of weeks because it just makes such a difference. It feels like it's the playoffs, you know, like in Canada, it is flat. And I do really wonder, like, whoever goes through in Montreal or Winnipeg, who is going to go through? And, like, how are they going to cope? How are they going to survive? They're not really built. I mean, a lot of people have talked about how the North Division was a bit of a joke division this year. And, hey, look, if Toronto were the best and they bailed out and couldn't hold it together, once they kind of go through in the next round, they're gone aren't they? This is an American team's um, cup this year. It, it will be interesting because, you know, watching certainly the, the games in the North and then the other divisions, when I was saying about the intensity, it's not, it's not just, to me, the games look faster in terms of speed of play. There seems to be more hits. There seems to be more needle after every stoppage. There seems to be more, you know, the penalty boxes getting filled for roughing minors, um, more fights, more bad hits, more, more things to get you off your seat. Just, um, yeah, the the needle between the, the clubs and 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 that ramps up that intensity. And when you add that fans in as a as a sort of a TV viewing experience. It is it is incredible, and and that is kind of what the North games were missing. With it, you didn't see so many scrums after the goalie grabs the puck, whereas you know in the American games, every fourth stoppage is a is a scrum a scrum of all the players. Hence why we're seeing more of, of like the Ryan Reeves penalties and things mm. because it's just happening so much. 
I wonder if it's a lifestyle thing as well, you know, like the, the lifestyle in Ontario at the moment, Ontario, is that it has been locked down. People feel a bit subdued. You're not able to get joy in the things that you used to. You turn up, you do your job, you go home, you sit in a room on your own all the time. Whereas in America, it feels like life is still going on. Yeah. You know, people They've are They've essentially there played and... in a bubble for yeah. the last four or five months. You know, it's been hard. But I think you're right. You know, Winnipeg and, and um, Montreal, whoever comes out of that going into a game against whoever it ends up being. It's going to be against Colorado or Vegas. I mean, I mean going into Colorado, a full, a full Colorado arena against that team, that is... And this, this is where people are kind of already looking at next season as well, because, I mean, it sounds like we'll go back to the usual seasons or, or like the Atlantic, you know, East, West, whatever the other one's called, Central. I can't even remember these days. feels like a lifetime ago since we had normal divisions. But, you know, to kind of put some of these like Montreal, Toronto, Ottawa, Buffalo back in a, a league with Boston, um, I mean... And Tampa. Don't and forget Tampa. Absolutely. I mean, it just seems like terrifying. It really seems like terrifying. Yeah, but how, uh, Tam- Tampa next year are going to be really interesting, I think, because th- this year, I mean, again, they look like a real prospect for the for the Cup. But we, we mentioned well, the trade deadline about how they'd managed to get 18 million of salary on L- LTIR. And then all of a sudden, you know, Kucherov's back scoring nine points in nine games or whatever it is, or even less than that. And Vasilevsky's on top of his game and they look like a contender again. Whereas towards the end of the season, they weren't looking so so hot. And, and I think that at some point, the difference in salary between Florida and Tampa in that series was something like 30 million. You know, which is which is harking back to the old days when there was no salary cap. So I think they're they're a real prospect this year. But what does their team look like next year? Because well, who's who's getting injured? Who's having their season long well, injury next year? Who's having their year long rest before they play in the playoffs? Stamkos, well, he must be due a year off. Like, yeah, it'll be it'll be interesting to see what happens to to all the salary cap issues there and who they move and who they don't. But I think if 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 they win another cup, you know, who cares? Yeah, they don't. They don't care. Yeah, can I sidestep slightly? Um, just you well, know, talk part... about NFL. Talk about <laughs> soccer, football. No, talk about teenagers, basically. Oh. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So generally, uh, <laughs> yeah, teenagers was a term invented about eighty years ago. Do you know what, Claire? Do you know what, funnily, funnily enough, Claire, after the week, after the 24 hours I've had, I'd love you to just talk through the reasons why the cups are named after a certain thing and the different <laughs> awards are named after a certain thing. Like, I'd Not love again. nothing more than just to listen to you talk about bits of hockey that I don't know <laughs> or understand. Right. Okay. So one of the things I like to do is I like to get geeky and do a bit of research. And so something is happening in the diary tomorrow night, which is the NHL draft 2021. It's a month behind schedule. And That's tomorrow. It's tomorrow, right? No, it's and not. No, it's, it's Wednesday, not. Wednesday, the 2nd of June. It's July, isn't it? It's, it's going to be held on Wednesday, the 2nd of June. I don't think it is. Because they haven't done the draft lottery yet. Yes, they have. And- May the 28th, yeah. I'm looking on the NHL.com website. 
No, they haven't done the draft lottery, no. surely. They have. Buffalo have 16.6%. Anaheim Ducks, 12.1%. Yeah, but got to actually do the lottery to see who wins it's it. It's the odds. They've, they've announced... Um, They've announced uh, used to do, they've announced the thing that determines the order of the selection for the first sixteen picks of the round of the twenty twenty one NHL draft, which will be held on Wednesday the second. So, is this the one where they announce the the odds? This is what I mean. Uh, right, so, this is, so this is where they like yeah, this is where they like tell you who the top ten are or something like that. Yeah, the 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 draft is on the twenty third, twenty fourth of July. Right, I've oh, got the God, allocation. So hang on a sec. They've announced the allocation of odds, right? Which right. which everybody could work out anyway. Okay, so they announced that at the end. This is what I mean, right? This sport is freaking weird. You don't have any of this nonsense in football. It is. Honestly, mind blowing. The other thing I was trying to work out was, as we always do, actually, is you kind of look through the list of the names of prospects. If you go on the Athletic, they've got like the top ten goalies coming up for prospects, the top ten defensemen. I look here, and there's like one, two, three, four, five, six, seven out of ten forwards are Canadian. The rest are uh, American. You've got a few um, Swedes, one Finn. Uh, four Russians. Um, so, but you, at this point, you have no idea who anyone is. It's just like a bunch of letters and names. Yet these will be the people who will be like the all-star champions in like years to come. Um, so, yeah, that's if you want a bit of a distraction and you're a Leafs fan, just go deep into the NHL draft instead, and then you realise that oh, Toronto haven't got any picks, so it's slightly pointless. But Three picks. You've got three picks. In no, but not in the top. You've got you've got a second round. Yeah, not in the first round. A, no, you've got you've got three picks total. I think a second yeah. round, a fifth round, and a seventh round, or something like that. Not even worth that's it. it. Not yeah, even but worth we had it. like three games of Nick Felino, though, guys. So that's all right. It's all good. So it's all good. So but the, yeah, the, the lottery draft. is tomorrow. Right. So the lottery, and does that determine who's going who's going to get the first pick? Yeah. Right. Well, the first it determines the first sixteen picks. So the, the bottom sixteen teams are in the, the lottery, various different percentage of chance. They do the this weird lottery thing, and then teams can move from all, all the positions, if they win the lottery, they move up seven places or whatever. And, and so, yeah, it determines who gets the first overall pick. That's what people are really interested in. I see. So it's actually called a draw, not yeah. the actual lottery. It's a draw. Thank you for clarifying that, because I have to be honest, when I was like reading about that Saturday, I was very confused. As you can see, we are NHL fans from afar. We have no media here to tell us what the hell we should be doing. No wall charts. We are making this up as we go along with no idea who any of these people are. But so this this year is slightly different, obviously, okay. because of the expansion. Yes. So Seattle automatically get the chance, the same like the the percentage chance of winning the lottery and getting the first overall pick, as if they finished third last in this okay. last season that's just gone. Mm-hmm. So they automatically are going to get a high pick, and if you go on the internet and run the the NHL draft lottery. Simula- simulator Seattle win the draft quite a lot really <laughs> have quite a high odds of winning so yeah you know we could see Seattle getting the first overall pick 
That's a simulator. You have time yeah. to play a simulator. Well, when you're not in the playoffs, <laughs> uh, what happens is you, you spend a lot of time on Cat Friendly yeah. uh, doing their expansion draft simulator, <laughs> which, is a, which is a good way to lose a whole 24 hours, I have to admit. But it's very good. So you can. So there's the draft lottery. Then there's the expansion draft on the 21st of July. And then on the 22nd or 23rd of July, there's the actual draft. Mm-hmm. So the expansion draft on Cup Friendly, you can go on every team and choose who to protect. And then from who else is available, you can draft your Seattle Kraken lineup. So wow. like I say, it's it's great if you want to lose many hours deciding who to protect on all these teams. I don't really know what to think about the Seattle expansion draft. I didn't really pay attention when Vegas came in. Um, but I think it is going to be one that I watch live just to see if I can try and get my head around it. <clears throat> I mean, it, it's so confusing as a fan to kind of be like, well, you know, how do I know which person in my team is likely to go? Who gets the deciding factor? Is it the GM of Seattle? Is it the GM of Toronto? Like, that's what I don't understand. So they can, so each team. I might get this wrong because I'm doing it off the top of my head, but each team can protect a set number of forwards, defence and goalie. So they they have to protect one goaltender. Then they've got an option with the, the, the skaters. They can either protect, I think it's seven forwards and three defencemen, or they can protect any eight skaters. Now, most teams go for the seven and three because it means they can protect more. Um, And most teams don't have an abundance of defense that they want to protect, which is the only reason that you'd go for the eight and and one. Um, You've also got to factor in things like no movement clauses and things like that as well, because players who've got no movement clauses can't be moved as part of the expansion draft. So that's they have to be protected. So with your like goaltenders, for example, if you've got a goaltender who's got a full no move clause, then essentially you've got no choice who you're you're keeping. So so Dallas, for example, uh, Ben Bishop has got no move clause, so he's getting protected, which leaves um, Hudobin available to Seattle because there's there's lots of other rules and if you want to have a look at them all go and read about it because uh, it's it's players under a certain age players who haven't played enough games in the NHL all of this are not eligible so for example Jake Ottinger is not eligible for the draft so that means Dallas will have to protect Bishop Hudobin will be available and Ottinger isn't Eligible. It's one of the reasons why the the whole expansion or Vegas expansion draft didn't really affect the Leafs because they were such a young team at the time that most of their top forwards uh, were all kind of protected anyway through their age and the fact they were in their ELCs. So it's one of the reasons why it wasn't such a big deal for us at the time with Vegas. Hmm. It, it is more of a deal this time round. Granted, right now I don't think any of us would care if any of them left, but it's. It's interesting with that Vegas compared to Seattle that if you've got a young upcoming team which is full of kind of ELC contracts, entry level contracts, then it's not something you kind of have to worry about particularly. 
Mm. It, it gets even more complicated when when you start thinking about contracts and free agency because yeah. um, if you start reading all of the the mock expansion drafts, Seattle are basically sitting there. They they can have the pick of of players who aren't protected, even if their contract is expiring this summer and they'll be a free agent. So mm-hmm. if they <coughs> excuse me, if they select that player, they have to try and sign them if they're an unrestricted free, free agent. And if they don't, that person still goes to free agency, so they've lost that pick. So they will probably pass on some players who are available who you'd think, oh, you'd take them, because they might not be able to re-sign them. So it, it, it does get very complicated. It is, isn't it? But then I think, you know, right now, most fans have got a team that isn't in the playoffs. So this is the next big thing on their agenda, I think. Most people are... Hence why I'm on Cap Friendly doing simulators. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> I'd be really interested if people see great articles that really break it down of what to expect. I mean, at the moment, I just feel like the Athletic, and rightly so, we're looking at the playoffs. Maybe in the next month or so, we're no, the athlete- get closer. The Athletic have some um, articles. So the Athletic writer for Seattle Kraken mm. has basically been working with the writer for every team uh, for about the last eight months, I think it is, mm. doing an article sort of every month and looking at the changing picture about who could be protected, who might not. And and so I think the latest one is version six. Uh, just having a quick look at it now. Um, so... Yeah, mock expansion draft version six. I think uh, it's Ryan S. Clark is the um, yeah. writer for Seattle. Um, and they break down every team currently who might be protected, who'd be available, who they would pick if they were Seattle. And then at the end, you get kind of what Seattle's team could be. And there's some really interesting ones in there because people like Washington can't protect all the players that they, they want to protect. So they've got some big decisions. And Somebody like TJ Oshie might be available. Now, yeah. you know, for, for Seattle, that'd be a, a great pickup. Um, also, you've got to, also, that, also, just quickly, you've got to remember yeah. the fact that the flat cap is going to play a huge part in this Seattle expansion because actually teams who are who banked on the fact that the cap was going to go up and have now found themselves in a really tight spot when it comes to the cap are going to probably leave players exposed to Seattle that they wouldn't have done in years gone by if, if the pandemic can happen in the way that it did and the impact it had on the NHL. So you're most likely going to get players in there that, and it, it could even come down to that Seattle will be offered draft picks from those clubs to take on those players with high cap hits, for example. Because if you think if you're Seattle, you've got 80 whatever million dollars to spend in cap space. Like you have got the ultimate resource in the NHL, the thing that teams struggle so much for, they have got as much as they want and they will be able to garner picks and prospects and all sorts like Vegas did in just taking on a kind of a contract that really kind of nobbles a team, but actually you get a really good player out of it. And okay, maybe it's an expensive player, but if you've got a blank checkbook and no cap restraints, then hey, why not? I think what's also interesting is that version six was April the 27th. Now, where we're at in terms of the first round players, 
I think there'll be an update. Yeah, I mean, right now I'm looking at Toronto Maple Leafs. He's he's put Justin Hull. Justin Hull was the guy that, you know, who had the most shots on goal for the Leafs. I think there may be other people that creep in that now. Well, if you look at that that bit about the the Leafs, though, there's talk that the Leafs have got a decision to make as to whether they protect TJ Brody. You know, and if he's available, Seattle are taking him. Um, there's there's quite a lot of decisions, and and I mean, especially with the Leafs, the, the expansion draft gives them the opportunity to shed some people that they might want to just get rid of the cap, mm. but they lose them with no return. Mm. Is the is the issue? Oh I mean, well, the other big mind. name on the other big name on that 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 version six is, is Brent Burns from San Jose. Yeah. You know, yeah. I think that would be quite a quite a big a big story, but. When you start looking at contracts and ages, and the stars have got an issue as to whether to protect um, Joe Pavelski, who's on a big contract and he's thirty-eight or something, you know, there's there's aging players on big contracts, and I think Seattle, obviously, because they've got to be cap compliant, can't take on all of the aging players with big big um, contracts. But I can see teams exposing those players, and then Seattle having the pick of them, and and maybe picking a couple. To, to be the stars of that that team and launch that that franchise. So yeah, it's gonna it's gonna be interesting. Yeah. Hey, just talking about um, you know, prospects and um and teenagers and NHL draft, just uh, I know um Matt, you had kind of had one eye over Team G B ice hockey as well and the world championships, you know, just seeing um, I think the NHL were writing up how Canada were doing, for instance, in the World Champs. And so many people um, who, uh, you know, their team went out um, early on in, in the first round, went over to play, didn't they? Some of the Russians, I think, went over um, from Capitals, I want to say. Yeah. Several people anyway. Um, I didn't end up watching much more of the games this week because it's just been a really busy one. I mean, it wasn't necessarily brilliant set of results for for team gb in the end they won one game i think but some highlights there people are still kind of shouting about liam kirk how, how did think, they do Can i think you give the, a round up well so well so yeah they they got the one win against belarus and they got an overtime against denmark so yeah. on, on paper it, it doesn't look great when you played seven and you've got four points because you get three points for a win in this tournament um but actually, the performances on the whole from the whole team, not not just Liam Kirk, who has been the standout player, but the whole team, it's been a, a massive improvement from the tournament two years ago in terms of the overall play. Um, goal scoring, they've scored in every game, which they didn't do two years ago. Um, they have been in games for longer. So the game today, they lost 6-3 to... Um, uh, Switzerland uh, who've who've been a very good team in the tournament currently sitting second in the group Um, but uh, they were two all in the second period they were they were completely in the game Um, and then the the quality of Switzerland kind of came came to fruition I think it has been a massive improvement there's no relegation this year and I think that kind of took the pressure off for Team GB they've been able to show that they can get in these games there's there's areas they'll want to improve especially in their own zone um but i think next year in finland it'll be exciting they they've not finished bottom of the group 
So it'll be interesting to see which group they get drawn in. It's going to be the same set of 16 teams battling out again next year in Finland. And who knows, another year, actually a year where, where the Team GB will have been playing games. This yeah, is the and thing. They've gone into this tournament time. without playing. Mm. Uh, I think they played 14 games in the Elite League series or something. 12. So, yeah, so I mean, it makes it even more incredible. And and for Liam Kirk, who is currently leading, I think he's currently leading the tournament in goal scoring, um, which quite amazing for a player who doesn't really have a contract for next season. He will be playing for the Sheffield Steelers if nobody signs him up, which is a travesty, really, considering how play how well he played in the the OHL for Peter Repeats. Mm. Um, You'd like to think off the back of this, you know, he, he played seven games, he's got nine points, um, seven goals. He His all-round play defensively has been good as well. Somebody's got to take a punt on him, whether that's a European league or somewhere, in, uh, you know, an, an American team. Some Somebody's got to have a go, surely. You'd like mm. to think. You've got to hope. Yeah, Arizona Coyotes... They must be yeah, watching. They've, they've let him down, really, I think. Well, I think it was just also circumstantial, wasn't it? As, as we kind of tapped him before about the the dissolving, really, of the lower leagues um, yeah. in Canada didn't really help. And it's a big problem in Canada about what's going on in terms of vaccine, still locked down in certain areas. It's, it's not a great place to be, really. So, yeah, at least, you know what I mean? Like, with... Um, Sometimes with this game, it can be the lucky bounce and, you know, you put on the right line with the right people. But there's a guy that really makes things happen. You know, he's just really, he's got a lot of grit. He's got a lot of determination. He sees the opportunity, like, for himself to shine. And the World Champs really is a place where people can shine. We've seen that with, like, guys who then come through the NHL draft. We're like, who are they? And then we see the highlight reels of them scoring absolutely insane goals for the world champ, you know, chance to play for your country, maybe get a shiny medal. I mean, you get some shiny medals anyway, don't you, when the player of the game? But it's it's good for Liam Kirk as well because when we you know we watched him back in Slovakia and there was a lot of hype because it was soon after he'd been drafted by the Coyotes and there was a lot of hype about him as a player and you know he was pretty underwhelming, wasn't he, Matt? Really in in the kind of um, in Slovakia two years ago, he obviously he looked a little bit off the pace and, and he wasn't able to compete physically with um, some of the other kind of players and teams he was coming up against. And, and probably because of that expectation, everyone knowing his name, everyone was kind of watching every shift he played and waiting for him to do that kind of magical NHL future prospect type thing. And, and it didn't really happen. So it is so great considering the adversity that he's faced over the last couple of years. It is so great to see him kind of getting those rewards at that top stage. And if ever there was a time to do it for his career, now's the time because the world quite literally was watching and he's given himself the best opportunity to, to get himself signed up for next season. I think, I think um, the, the difference in his physicality and his defensive play is the biggest change in his game. And that's what I found most impressive about this tournament is a lot of the, the plays that, that were made that he didn't score from came from him winning puck, back, puck battles along the boards and you know beating um, NHL or KHL veterans in puck battles physically 
to make a play and and his defensive work tracking back as well was was brilliant i think that's the biggest change i think that's why he didn't get the game time the ice time in slovakia and why he, he looked so underwhelming because they couldn't trust him to do that defensive work and and when you're up against when you're the underdog up against a team that's much better than you you've got to do the defensive work first to try and stay in the game and i think what what's happened is this this year he's doing the defensive work he's getting the ice time and then he's creating the opportunities and yeah it's been it's been great and all of that with very little power play time he wasn't on the top power play unit which to me is just baffling yeah well let's talk about stars then and power play and i mean something as a Toronto Maple Leafs fan don't really know much about because our stars did not show. Apparently, I saw a tweet today by someone called Lauren Hunter that they're called the Leafs because they fall at the end of the season. Um, Three for 23 on the power play since February. Uh, The most devastating um, I can remember, said Gord Stellick in the post-game radio show, pathetic said Nick Alberga. I'd never heard a post-game podcast, Leafs Nation, like it. Uh, Hull had more shots than the Stars. Justin Hull had more shots than Austin Matthews, Mitch Marner. I mean, I was watching via a VPN, Steve Dangle. If um, if you follow NHL, you'll know he was a crazy uh, Toronto Maple Leafs fan who started doing YouTube post-game reviews um, in his bedroom and has become now someone who works for Sportsnet. He did a watch along um, for six out of the seven games of round one. And it was just him in his bedroom with all of his Toronto merchandise behind him. And it was a nice thing to do as a fans from afar person. Like normally it's quite lonely when you watch on your own, you know, like you don't really have like a mate to kind of talk to and say, Oh my God, did I just, did he just do that? Because then you kind of got him there and bouncing this chat on the side. So it made you feel like you were part of something. And there were 50,000 Leaf fans watching the feed last night. I mean, also, I think Steve had a way of finding words for a situation that was frankly one that was impossible to, to describe. What, what was the worst part of that game for me? Um, not just the fact that we actually got to a game seven situation, but there was a bit where it said, right, um, whoever scores the goal first has a 78% chance of winning game seven. And then a few minutes later, Montreal scored. And it was like, great. Now our, our winning percentage is like less than 30%. Brilliant. So, you know, it just went from bad to worse. But, I mean, I feel like we've talked enough about other teams now that I'm willing, like how you would train a good puppy or perhaps how Jolon is training Percy, I think that we're ready now for Jolon to gather his thoughts and for us to, um, to put 60 seconds on the clock and perhaps he can kind of just, just get it out. Because you know what they say, Jolon? They say that it's good to kind of let all this stuff out, you know, to get it out of your system. Um, <laughs> I think it's going to be cathartic for you. Um, I think I'm going to need longer than 60 seconds for it to be cathartic, but I'll go along with it. <laughs> okay, right. Um, I don't know how loud this is going to be, but for those listening at home, 
I have found a countdown timer of 60 seconds, uh, circle clock with sound effects is what it says. It has a little bit of music. It's very dramatic. And you can get as excitable as you wish, Geraldine Kent Walker. Here we go. It, uh, I, I struggle to get animated because this Leafs team <laughs> showed so little give a damn in their in their final game seven and if you think of the last few years and you think of their losses to Boston and the way that they lost to Boston back-to-back series and of course after they then lost to them in 2013 you, you sit there and you think this can't get any worse like it just can't the way they lost the way they did it they were the underdog story and they somehow managed to get to a point where they were playing a game seven they were leading in game seven and then they somehow managed to lose it. And so then they play as favourites. And I think ultimately for Leafs fans, not only is it 17 years, 17 years since they've won a playoff game or playoff series, sorry, they just somehow managed to combine this whole series into something worse than all of the Boston ones put together. And only the Leafs could do that. <laughs> Well, I mean, you were actually quite dialed down. I thought you were like... I just don't... Like, uh, all day today, and part of the problem with being a an NHL fan in the UK is because no one gives a monkeys. Like, I have been miserable all day, and I've been at work all day, and obviously, no one cares. No one knows, because who follows NHL hockey over here? Nobody. So, you're spending your whole day pretty miserable anyway, and obviously very tired, and so all day, all I've been muttering under my breath is, I can't believe blah, 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 about this power play, Marner, Matthews, blah, 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 all this kind of stuff. And why I struggle, and it was interesting, you mentioned Steve Dangle earlier, I was watching his final LFR, and <laughs> the feeling that, and, and he is, whether you love him or hate him, he absolutely encapsulates the way that Leafs fans feel. And he just in his final kind of talking through, he goes through a roller coaster, but ultimately the majority is just this kind of just desperate feeling of like, what the hell? Like you, you sit there all, all year and you watch this team in the regular season and you think, ah, pretty good. Right. We had a bit of a bad spell. We had some injuries, but you know, the goaltending was a worry, but then don't worry. Along comes Jack Campbell and isn't he great and all of this kind of stuff. And you get to the end of the regular season and you sit there and you think, wow, this team, this team looks pretty good. This is this is the first time in my I kind agree. of proper Leafs fandom that they were the favourites going into a series. You the could argue is- that Columbus last year was like a 50-50, but prior yeah. to that... They were the underdogs against Boston and the Cap, Boston twice and the Caps. So you so you sit there and you go right, okay, everything, everything about this series says Leafs win, except for the fact that it's the Leafs in the first round of the playoffs. Well, I mean, it, it's interesting, isn't it? Because I think I've followed the Leafs a little bit longer than you, and I've kind of yeah. been used to this kind of doomed tape script that happens. And um, and I allowed myself, because I saw how excited you were at the start of this season, to feel just a smidgen <laughs> of, like, optimism. Like, you led me down the path. <laughs> but they do it. They, they do it to you every year. And this is part, this is the thing that's most devastating about this playoff loss for me, is that 
I don't think I can get excited about the regular season next year. Like at all. Like I have, and this could change by October, who knows, but at the moment anyway, and how currently I feel, why should I bother watching the Leafs in the regular season? Because... Are you going to switch teams? Well, like you sit there and you think, well, why should I bother watching them in the regular season? Because if I watch them in the regular season and they win, so what? If they get into the playoffs, so what? Like until this team break this freaking voodoo curse that they've got on them at the moment and get out of round one, which I will literally believe it when I see it, then there is no joy. And this is what this is what frustrates me about other kind of fan bases and the way they view Leafs fans. And I get the fact that they get more coverage and everything. I get the fact that they're the Manchester United of, of NHL. However, when other fan bases criticise Leaf fans for overanalyzing stuff in the regular season, it's like, look at the track record. The reason why we do this is because we know what's coming. Like, we know what is around the corner and we worry about that slump in February because it shows those same things that always bubble up in that first round of the playoffs. And that is a bit yeah. where I struggle. And in answer to your question, I, I was thinking the other day, I was like, how fun would it be to be a Seattle fan? Like, wouldn't that be wouldn't that be interesting? New team, who cares? Like, no one over here would know. Like, I just switch allegiances, throw all my Leafs gear away. <laughs> I mean, it's interesting actually because Rachel, who is has been listening to the podcast for a while, she's kept fairly new to the sport and somehow kind of adopted the Maple Leafs as her team. And she messaged to say, I know you said this is going to be hard, but I didn't realise how hard it was going to be. So, yeah, I think a lot of people may uh, potentially jump ship to Seattle. It's an interesting because we've talked about is history a hindrance or a help before? And in this case, it's just a whole bunch of messy history with more pressure. I mean, this is 31 years they've waited for the Montreal Canadiens and uh, Toronto Maple Leafs to meet again in a playoff series. That's a lot of pressure. You but, wouldn't believe it, they're watching it. But who, I, I actually, I, I've come to the point where I've realised it actually doesn't seem to matter who they're playing. Like, they will find a way of messing this up. And this is totally, like, total respect to Montreal. They played really well. Carey yeah. Price is an incredible goaltender, and he had a fantastic series. And considering the fact he was out injured up until the playoffs, like genuinely not in a Kucherov way, like genuinely was out injured up until the playoffs and then came back and was brilliant. But he was not good enough on his own to win that series. The Leafs did enough to, they, they should have won that series and to be three, one up in that series and to manage to lose three back to back elimination games is in same and it's very easy for these fans right now to kind of lose it and say I'm going to be a fan of Seattle and you know I can't you know I'm not going to do this I'm not going to watch a regular season but it it is kind of it's hard to stomach the thought of caring about this Leafs team and could you not say like you know, Oilers fans might be feeling quite similar right now as well because you know they're in a, in a similar position that they've got a couple of stars who weren't able to perform in the playoffs what they need a big shake up. There's that you know, people are criticizing their management for playing it too safe. But actually, yeah. I would argue that Carl Dubas has made some quite bold moves. Yeah. Um, so uh, this like, is where this is where uh, you know, Matt, Matt's this is where his Matt, head. yeah, this is where Matt disagrees. And I, I find it's quite interesting. But for me, Kyle Dubas this year gave gave this team every single chance to win. 
I think every so. single it's on chance the players. Go on, Matt. Give, Within give the framework that, it, so, that so, so first of all, you can't change teams. You pick your team. You this is it goes for any sport. You pick your team through thick and thin. You can't you can't just jump ship because they lost. That's yeah, but I'm, I've I've got such a I've got such a mix of teams that I support that are so bad. Like, give yeah, me but one. That's, that's sport. You you like sport for the highs and the lows. Sports. The, but where you, are the highs? You, <laughs> the regular the season, you were absolutely buzzing for four months, right? It was Leafs this, Leafs that. Leafs are going to win the the top. You were on a high for four months. Just because you have a low doesn't mean you're not going to have another high again. That is what happens. But, that, but that's what has checked. That for me, and you know, Claire's right. Like I've been through what? So I've been through four or five kind of uh, four playoffs, kind of as a as a proper kind of Leafs fan. And I kind of sit there and I think. Well, each year, kind of, we were the underdogs and all this kind of stuff. And each year, when we came back afterwards, I was like, right, this is the year. This is the year that you go back and you do it because you were so close last time. This time now, though, and I feel like this what is what Leafs fans probably did back in 2013 or whatever, back beyond that. I, I sit there and go, what, why should I have a high next year if the Leafs, they could freaking win the President's Trophy. Like, who gives a monkey's? Like they're going to lose in the first round again. Okay. Do you, do you, do you, do you want I my do, opinion on Carl Dubas? Because yeah, this yeah, might yeah, be slightly yeah, controversial, yeah. but I, I, I think he gets an easy ride because he's young. He's come through as the assistant GM. Everybody wants him to be the saviour, right? Everybody wants him to be that saviour of the Toronto half Maple the, Half the Leafs fan base do. I think, I and, and I think because he's young as well and trendy and all of this, you know, and he does good interviews. And, and so he gets an yeah. easy ride because you say he gave your team everything to win. He didn't. Where was the Stanley Cup winning experienced players in that team? You signed Nick Foligno, who's, never wo- who's, who's won one playoff series. You know, but you've, what, what he but, did is he, he's, he had he had this young core. He's got this young core, and okay, that's the bit of the philosophy that I understand that people are yeah. criticising and say you can't win with that, and, and you know maybe you can't. But what he did is he did kind of U-turn a little bit, and he went with he brought in Wayne Simmons, he brought in uh, Jason Spezzer, he yeah, brought in Joe Wayne, Thornton. Wayne Simmons was a terrible signing. I said that at the time, awful signing. He came off the back of two terrible seasons where he couldn't find a team play because because he was so bad he wait a minute has not been good for two years um the the thing is you, the, the toronto maple leafs lack leaders massively right last night last night on the bench one nil down every shot of the toronto maple leafs bench they were sat there heads down quiet nobody speaking where were the leaders on that team on the bench no so like I was talking in relation to my team who went on a run last year and didn't win the cup, right? Yeah. We we weren't good enough to win. But when we went one or two nil down, the shots of our bench, there were leaders, Corey Perry, Jamie Benn, Tyler Sagan, talking to all of the young guys, talking to each other. You could see them working as a team and the leaders stepping up to try and get that team through. And we made comebacks and we came the the shots of that Toronto bench in the last few games, there's no leadership. Now I but know they had, Tavares they, they, was injured. 
they had those comebacks. Comparison. They had those comebacks. Bar game yeah. seven, which they played terribly and they didn't have a comeback. But those other games, they did have comebacks. And I, you know, I disagree in the sense of leaders because they've got, you know, they have got the likes of Nick Felino, who, okay, playoff wise hasn't got a great record, but he was captain of the Blue Jackets. You've got Jake Muzzin, who's a Stanley Cup winner of two time, I think, with the LA Kings. You've got Jason Spezza, who's one of the kind of league veterans who's played in a million different teams and had great success over the years. You've got Joe Thornton, who is going straight into the Hall of Fame. That is before you kind of go on to the likes of Morgan Riley and people like that who've been Leafs for as long as they have. TJ Brody, another one. And you, you, you've so experience got... doesn't make you a leader. And and I think what what we've seen over several years and last night and the, the probably the last couple of games with Toronto, there were no leaders on the ice. There was nobody grabbing the game by the bull of the horse. Like, wrong phrase but nobody grabbing that game and and shaking the other players and getting them up for it Matthews I mean to be honest so so another reason why I think Carl Dubas gets gets a bit of a ride and he shouldn't the big contracts is given to to Matthews and Marna yes you give big contracts to talented players but in ice hockey those talented players have to be leaders they have to lead the team because they've got the talent. They have to develop into a natural leader. It, it kind of happens that you, you, your captain ends up usually being your highest paid player. And it's not always by accident. But Matthews and Marner, for me, and I know Marner's taken a lot of stick, they're not leaders. Matthew, Matthew, no. Matthews was not good enough in this series at all. And... Neither was Marner. And, and it's Carl Dubas who's given them these big contracts out and put them in a cap situation for next season, which is, I mean, I think you've got 14 million to sign 12 skaters. It's, it's, it's difficult. You know, but people are going to have to move. But for me, the way the way that you know Carl Dubas's philosophy with with offense and all that kind of stuff, uh, and you know, I, I think one of the common misconceptions this year with the Leafs is they're this kind of gung ho scorer, you know, outscore their problems type of team. They were previously. This year, they've not been defensively. This is the best Maple Leafs team for decades, and that's not me saying it because I haven't watched them for decades. But that's what you know, journalists I've heard who've covered the Leafs have said TJ Brody coming in was an, was an absolute defensive stalwart, boring as hell, never scored a goal, never got an assist, but defensively exactly what the Leafs need. Jake Muzzin, another one, Justin Hull came out of nowhere. Riley had a bit of an up and down season, but did what he needed to do and had a great playoffs. And then Jack Campbell came out and was able to kind of take over the starters net. So, immediately we the, the Leafs no longer needed to score six to win, which is what previously, you know, the Leafs had to do, which as you know, we all, it wasn't sustainable. And particularly in the playoffs, they come up trumps against teams like Boston. The bit for me, and this is where I think Kyle Dubas can be, he's, he can't be clear of criticism. And I think, I think saying a, a Leafs GM has an easy time of it. I don't think that's the case with the way that Leafs fan base is. I, I think anybody associated <laughs> with Toronto, that. yeah, I know, <laughs> but I think I think anybody associated with Toronto Maple Leafs probably gets a few mentions on their Twitter account when when things go wrong. <laughs> and I think Carl Dubas is probably getting a fair few of them. And 
Um, he certainly from there is a certain section of Leafs fans who before he signed the likes of Wayne Simmons and people like that were had written Dubas off entirely and it was only bringing those kind of players in whether it was right or wrong that kind of brought them back in a little bit um, Dubas has done a lot of good things Dubas has done some incredible work and has come across as a, a type of GM who you can really root for because of some of his like off ice actions you've seen the way he's done stuff and the way that he conducts himself and and that that does go some way the bit where I think that this year falls on the players is because previously there has been such obvious holes in the in the team there have been such deficiencies that you look at and you go Freddie Anderson in the playoffs man like he'll give he'll give up two games a playoff series or you'll look at the defense, uh, defense, and you think, man, alive! Like, there's no way. How do we keep out Bergeron, Marshan, and Pasternak? Like, there's just we have not got the defense to do it. Or you blame Babcock, or you blame this, or you blame that. Like, there were things this year. I feel that Dubas, uh, you know, I criticized the Tampa Bay Lightning earlier for Kucherov, but the Leafs are just as bad. Like, they did some wacky, like cap stuff where they managed to get assemble an insane number of players together for the playoffs and he went big with Felino. Felino to me is not a Kyle Dubas a typical Kyle Dubas trade deadline acquisition and you look at that now and you think well why didn't they go for Taylor Hall because they were lacking scoring well if you just said to a Leafs fan going into a series against Montreal the problem would be scoring like you'd have gone are you crazy like and I just feel this year he put together this team that bossed the regular season. You had Matthews, Rocket Richard winner by a country mile. Division winners, granted, okay, we can argue about the North Division, but they were head and shoulders better in the regular season than any other Canadian team. That team is put together and then they go out and they're 3-1 up in the first round of the playoffs. At the end of game four, nobody's talking about any of this stuff. We're all sitting there going, ah, great. We're probably going to go on to the second round. I wonder what playing the Jets is going to be like. Everything, everything that is wrong with the Maple Leafs happened in the three elimination games that they lost. And that's the bit where I don't think you can blame Kyle Dubas because he constructed a squad that got them to that point and then they buckled. And maybe you're right about leaders. Maybe that's where they were lacking. But they buckled for three elimination games. And you could even, I mean, you can go in luck because of the way they came back. But they didn't They didn't win those hockey games and they didn't turn up until the third period. The way that Austin Matthews scores goals, you can't trade him. Like, you just can't. He's a franchise centre. You do not trade that kind of player. The way that Nylander like just blossomed in his playoff series and is one of the few Leafs who came away with this kind of feeling pretty good about himself or I'm sure he doesn't feel that good. John Tavares, obviously you can't judge him on this playoff series because he didn't play in any of it. So then that, that leaves you with this $11 million winger left in Mitch Marner, who was top five in point scoring in the regular season, but does nothing in the playoffs and hasn't done for years. And not only does nothing does negative thing gives away the puck. You know, I messaged you Claire (laughs) when the first goal went in and I sat there and went, what's he doing? He's just given the puck away and the Habs go and score. And he's, he's got something like six playoff penalties. Five of them are puck over the glass. 
Like, yeah, I mean, that one in game six was bad. <laughs> I mean, yeah, and join the the list of them. Like, he, I, I do not condone any of the kind of negative stuff that is being thrown to Mitch Marner about anything like that. And he got his money, and you know, fair play to him. But he is the absolute obvious one. If you are going to change the philosophy and the way that you kind of like mold this team, you feel you need to bring in a few more of those kind of players. He's the one that that has got to go because he's proven year by year. We've all said now that who cares what happens in the regular season? He can be top two in points scoring again in the regular season. It's not going to make any difference to the Leafs because come playoff time, he's going to be crap. I think and it's, it's the same with Freddie Anderson and it, those players. It does really highlight what a crazy sport this is. It, it, you know, yeah. it really is like a pyramid, isn't it? Like it all comes to that final, like top, the spike, like everything else yeah. below doesn't mean anything. It's like balancing like an upside down triangle on that one point. And anything that you get above that, it doesn't really matter. It's, it's yeah. a really crazy game. And, and we have to remember, that's why we were hooked onto this game. We were like, what? They play seven times in a playoff yeah. series. This thing sounds mental. They play like back-to-back games. They play four games in a week. Sometimes we can forget that. I mean, I, I, I think one of the things that I've learned to do, and it's interesting you say about with the Leafs, how next year you're kind of thinking, well, the regular season, I'm just waiting for the playoffs. Because that's what I was like this season, if I'm honest. I was like, I'm just ticking along. Toronto expected to win this kind of joke division, the North division. Um, That should be fine. For me, it was all on. If they get through this first playoff round, anything after that is a bonus to me. That's the only expectation I had of this team. And you're right, when you change the, you know, you change the, um, we've changed the GM in recent years, we've changed the coach, we've changed the goalie. We've changed the way that we play. We're giving our top stars more time on ice, whereas before with yeah. Mike Babcock, Jesus, they wouldn't even be on the ice in the crucial moments with nine seconds to go. <laughs> the only people that have stayed the same, Austin Matthews and, and Mitch Marner, who I love very dearly, but I can't put all the blame on them. I just, I don't know where to go. And in a way, as soon as I close my laptop at 4 a.m., I parked it and I'm like, right, I'm ready to watch some other teams play some proper hockey. And I'll come back to this team wow. in a month when I'm not as angry. Like I'm tired, I'm angry. And it's interesting what you say, because one of the things that, you know, to, to be working in an office or a place in Toronto today, you would feel like you were part of a community, part of something, that shared experience that you get for being a fan. But yeah, I went to the gym this morning. My first conversation with people was like, wow, wasn't it an amazing weekend? The weather was great. (laughs) And I was like, I've had three hours sleep. I'm in really bad mood. And now we've got to do a horrendous workout and it's too hot. And um, my team is out the playoffs. I'm like, what's that? Hockey? Oh, is that what they play on grass? I'm like, no, it's not. And people don't get it. So at least we have this podcast as a safe space for us all to share our views. For that, I am thankful. And the only thing I have to say, and I did tweet this last night, was I've been practicing gratitude recently. I'm a bit of a moaner sometimes (laughs) internally. So I've like got this book. It's somewhere here, actually. 
Oh, somewhere, somewhere on the floor. I've got a book where every day I try and write three things that I'm grateful for. And so I challenge myself after that game to try and come up with three things that I was grateful for, for the Toronto Maple Leafs. I came up with two, and that was Jack Campbell and William Nylander. That was as far as I could go with coming up with good things. I will I will add a third to your one, and that is Jason Spezza. Okay. I mean, that, that guy has just from his fight his his crazy fight in columbus to try and lift the leafs out of that game where they came back and the fact that he outscored the majority of the leafs team at the age he is and the way he has been around the team this year that guy obviously just has a hunger to win and he wants to win in toronto i feel desperately sad for the fact that toronto is the team that he wants to win with because it's not going to happen but he has been just exactly well, he he's exceeding expectations like you know <laughs> this year and i think for yeah for that third kind of thing to be thankful for 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 leafs fans that jason's better and let's hope he comes back next year cuz it'd be great to see him well, look, the playoffs continue uh, tonight will carolina get one back over tampa bay lightning uh, tomorrow will Vegas have an epic comeback at home against Colorado. Um, there is other great hockey going on. I might kind of be cheering on a bit of the New York Islanders, I think. I feel like they're a bit of an underdog in the series. Um, and apparently there's some of the game with some Canadian teams going on later this week. I don't know who they are. Don't know, don't know what that's about. So like who um now that all three of us are doing a podcast about the NHL with none of our teams in the playoffs, who are we backing? Backing as in want to win or backing as we think they're gonna win? Backing as you want to win. This is an emotional sport, Matt. Want to win probably Islanders or Carolina. Mm, interesting. Yeah, they're both franchises that I don't really, I don't really have anything against, and I think they've both been playing pretty good hockey this year uh, to watch. And yeah, they're up against Tampa and Boston, so two teams that I'd quite like to see go out. Yeah, how about you, Jalen? Have you kind of already thought that? Or do you, do you need to kind of share that with us in Twitter in a few days? <laughs> I'm still very much in. I could not give a monkey's about. Like I genuinely, it was, it was news to me when you said Boston lost last night at the beginning of the podcast. I was like, oh, did they? Interesting. Like I think, I think this, this has been like therapy for Jolan. Yeah. But what we'll learn is he needs a few more sessions. Yeah, 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 yeah. This is not going to be. This is not going to be out in one. This is not one and done. Yeah. Like. I'm probably going to need, you know, three sessions, and then I'll really deteriorate towards the end of the, you know, towards the seventh session. And then who knows? It might pick up after that. But right. uh, no, I genuinely don't care. I hope the Islanders beat the Bruins because it's Bruins. I hope the Montreal Canadiens go on and win the Stanley Cup. Hey, why not? Let's hope. Fair yeah. play. Carry Price, go and win a cup. Really just, just kick those Leafs. Just go on. <laughs> right. Well, we'll be back. Um, Will we? <laughs> we hope next week. Maybe a couple of weeks. Maybe we need a break. <laughs> I'll, I'll speak to you in October. <laughs> Feels a bit like when that, I, doesn't when it? I come on when I come on the podcast and go, oh, I'm so excited, I'm freaking so excited. They managed to keep the core together, guys. They kept the core together. Oh, 
In the meantime, I'm going to go play with a, a simulator and a cat friendly and uh, start yeah. thinking about who do I want out of my team? Um, what would I want to do? Who would I want to protect right now? Can I, can These I are the things... protect Mitch Marner? Yeah, on our minds. Freddie Anderson, is he protected? Is he not protected? Those, those decisions lie as every Leafs fan... Be nice on Twitter, people. Yeah. Be nice on Twitter. If you're criticising a, a sports person, that is absolutely fine, but just keep it to the sport. Matt, thanks very much for kind of helping bring some sanity <laughs> to this podcast episode. Thanks. I feel like I wound Jolan up even more. <laughs> yeah. you, but you carried a good 45 minutes of the podcast, which I couldn't have done, so I'll you know, <laughs> do what you like. <laughs> right, well... No more business may resume in many weeks to come. In the meantime, we'll enjoy watching uh, some proper hockey with fans and stuff watching, some excitement. And um, yeah, we'll be back very soon. Thanks for listening.